Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos, and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or you can log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Oh, I'm not bad, mate, but um, it's a bit rough, isn't it? No, what do you mean? Oh, rest day? I, I know. Mean, <laughs> you, bring, you drag me in. I told non-stop. You, it's I just told you, full gas. There's no rest day. Full we'll gas. we podcast tomorrow, and then we're back on the track. This doesn't stop Can because you we... Can this wa- guy, people? Uh, Couch? That's how I treat my stuff. That's so, all good. That's <laughs> all good. Happy to be here. And uh, you know what? what to unpack. D- don't, don't complain, because you're not the only one from the commentary crew to be with us today, hey. because Matthew Kinnon is here with us. Matt, how are you? I'm well. I've got nine days straight of David McKenzie, Christoph. I've now made it 10. Macca, if you have me on the podcast on the rest day, we'll be able to go 23 days together. Let's lock it in. <laughs> That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. 23 Jeez. days. Hey, we, Kino, you and I both know we can handle it. We've done about 24 days in a car flying around the Vuelta with our crazy uh, boss of a driver. Uh, yes. So we survived that. We can totally survive this here in lockdown, Melbourne. <laughs> that, that driving with Victor is a separate podcast. A completely separate. <laughs> Macker and I almost walked 250 kilometres to the hotel once because it would have been safer. Incredible. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Anyway, let's talk about the stage last night and then we'll unpack everything. And we've got the two people that have commentating on that on that race. So it's a bit of a treat for you guys on the Catch Peloton. Uh, Maka, let's take us through uh, the last kilometre of that race yesterday. Yeah, look, it was, a, it was a big day. Super fast start. This man here, Damiano Caruso, he attacked his breakaway companion 70 kilometres to go. A lot unfolded back in the peloton, but in the end, it was Enrique Mas and Primoz Roglic who rode clear, dropped Egan Bernal, dropped Adam Yates, pretty much dropped everyone else. This was Bernal. He struggled. He just could not go with the change of pace. And you could see here he had to ride his own pace. He even told Adam Yates to ride on his own. But it was all about Damiano Caruso from Bahrain Victorious. Look at that. Saluting his team car behind. Massive solo win. His second Grand Tour stage win this year. Only his second World Tour victory in his career. Can you believe that? 33 years of age. So this was a really special one. He was a fair way down on general classification. Uh, he's made up about a minute because uh, he did have a bigger gap, but he got it got brought back in the end. But massive victory by Caruso. Big win for the team, and it's changed quite a bit overnight and into the rest day. And who's going to be leader of you know certain teams? Who are they going to switch to now? The GC has really taken shape. Yep, hundred percent. Kino, uh, what do you make of that win, especially on after what he did at the the Giro? Uh, like Maka mentioned it a, a bit earlier on. Uh, the man is having a great year. Bahrain is having a great year. Yeah, and at 33 years of age, he's hit the purple patch of his career. And you guys did an interview early in this Vuelta with Simon Gerrans, and you spoke about Fabio Aru retiring at 31. Well, Gerrans said that that was the beginning of his career really taking off. So Damiano Caruso, he is hitting his best at 33. 
He got to the bottom of the final climb, a 13-kilometre climb, and he had a 5-minute and 10-second advantage. And he'd shown no signs of faltering at that point. And I thought that he might have been able to get himself somewhere up towards 10th or 11th place in the general classification, the way he was going. But he really started to crumble towards the end. And he only held on by a little over one minute to win the stage. It was an enormous performance and such a brave move to attack at 70 kilometres to go when Ineos took up the chasing. And that expression on his face, that translates internationally in any language as, I can't believe I just did that. It was enormous. (laughs) Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Quick question: When we talk about uh, you know the Bahrain, and when, when we look at uh, what uh, Mohoric as well did at the at the Tour de France, he went on flying long range seventy k uh, for for Caruso. I can't remember how much he was for for Mohoric, but he was a long one as well. Yeah, it he seems 90. like when Bahrain, uh, so how much was it? Ninety kilometers. The he first one, 90, so when he so when yeah. these guys, it seems that they, when they put their mind to it in something like they just you know when they go solo. There's a, there's a huge chance to actually go to the end. Well, Caruso had nothing to lose, did he, Matty? Because they, they put him in that early move. They, they made that decision that Lander was going to have some form of support, and so too Jack Haig back in that main group. Caruso was going all out for the stage win. You and I talked about it in the comms. Suddenly, Ineos closed that gap up to about a minute 20, and Caruso said, well, there's no point sitting here. I might as well go for it. And that's how I read it anyway. Yeah, he had to roll the dice because they'd committed so much just to get into the breakaway. So it was all or nothing at that point. It was tactically the right decision to make. And that was proven because everybody else in the breakaway, even with the class of Raphael Marker and Roman Bardet, they got caught. And it is clearly a strategy that Bahrain Victorious have used to great success this year. In addition to Mahoric at the Tour and Caruso here at the Vuelta, Mark Padun did it twice at the Criterium Dauphiné. Doesn't get the same hype as the Grand Tours. On that 90-kilometre breakaway for Mahoric at the Tour de France, he had Brent Van Moor with him from Lotto Soudal, and they broke away on, like, a Category 3 climb. And as they were going up the climb, Brent Van Moor said to him, let's just back it off a little bit, and we'll work together over the top. Mahoric responded, no, we go full, just hold on to my wheel. <laughs> and that's been their attitude. It's been great. Yeah, but yeah. But quick, Can we talk about Ineos' tactics or you got that coming up just, later just on? Before that, just before okay. that, I've got one right. quick question on Bahrain though. Uh, the fact that they even fought in the bus to put Caruso in the, in the breakaway from the word go, could we say, and a question for you, Maka, and for you, Kino, as well, could we say that maybe they were lacking trust on Landa from the word go and maybe a little bit on Jack Haig as well to be able to do anything yesterday on that stage so they just went we better be safe we're just now launching on a breakaway no I think oh well I think I think Landa was shaky and they knew that I don't I don't think they you could you couldn't really say they lost trust in Jack because he came in here mm-hmm. underdone you can argue um, with his crash from the Tour de France so we all know that st- side of the story but it potentially could have been smart um, not just for Caruso to win the stage. That's happened. That's great. But if Lander was good uh, and Anne had gone there, and if Caruso had been caught, he's then a support for them okay. a lot further in the race. So I think it was just a basically a multi-pronged attack. And Lander still had Padun, and I think Jack had, or Jack had Padun. And in the end, I mean, Lander's, he's now done. He cannot be GC, and yeah. Jack is the leader. 
Yeah, Christoph, I think they hedged their bets. I think they were shaky about Mick Alander going into the stage. As Mac and I discussed, he'd lost time on each critical stage up until yeah. that point. Jack Haig, there was an understandable question mark because he'd moved into such a strong position in the general classification, been in the breakaway with Michael Storer and clearly an interrupted preparation after crashing out of the Tour de France. So it wasn't a question mark of a lack of confidence in Jack. It was a question mark as to his recovery from his injury and the interrupted preparation. That question mark has been put to rest. He was brilliant last night. Plus, to look after those guys, they had Walt Pools, Mark Boudin and Gino Madur. How many domestics do you need in the mountains? There was no yeah, other yeah. rider with more support than them anyway, with Caruso yeah. up the road winning the stage. So in terms of tactic, and before we hear from the man himself, uh, Damiano Caruso, there's a question here from, uh, from Tim or a comment from Tim here that says, now they need to back Haig for GC and give Lenda a super domestic role. Do you think this is what will or should happen at Bahrain? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, um, yeah it, it, absolutely. No, no questions. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got one, one addendum to that, Tim. Lenda won't be the best domestic for Jack Haig. Mark Boudin and Gina, because he's not strong enough. Mark yeah. Boudin and Gina Madur will be of more value to Jack than Mikael Lander. Whatever has gone wrong for Mikael Lander after the Giro d'Italia, sometimes you just don't get the preparation right. And clearly yeah. Mikael Lander hasn't. But yeah. he, he was hot at Burgos. Like yeah, that. what's going on? Well, he won Burgos, didn't he? Yeah, it is. So, it's interesting. And it? the other rider, well, that's a really good point because the other rider that was really good at Burgos was Hugh Carthy. And Hugh Carthy finished third overall in the Volta last year. Fantastic preparation, was good to go at Borgos. And then he comes out of that and he's already out of this race. So Bardet as well. Getting... Bardet was, uh, Bardet was, a, crash. was, Bardet was yeah, a crash. Bardet was a crash. Yeah, Bardet is okay. a crash. Yeah. 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 God, We've got he's turning against, <laughs> against his own now, Matty. He's turning turn. against his own. He's left the, the French, French Revolution. Revolution. Take much, does it? <laughs> he's, left, he's left the what French team. He's gone. He's storming <laughs> the Bardet Bastille. Take that catch, Peloton. Is that your wife? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to uh, Damiano uh, Caruso. Damiano, complimenti. Grazie. After the Giro, you have done it again. 71 kilometers. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I don't know. I went just because uh, I knew Ineos doing a really hard tempo. And then uh, I say, okay, before they catch me, I want to try to to do a breakaway, maybe alone, but I didn't expect the, the gain, the gap was bigger K by K, and then uh, I still unbelievable what I did. It was an amazing feeling, and uh, repeat, this feeling after the Giro, for me, it's incredible. How did you enjoy the last kilometer when you knew that you were going to win? Uh, last, last climb was so long. I always, I always try to keep my focus on my tempo, on my own tempo, and then uh, only the last 2K I realized I can win today. And did you know that Mikel Landa was in difficulty, so it was a good idea for you to go for the stage? Yes, uh, I'm sorry for Mikel, but today was a really hard stage, I think, for everyone. Uh, I hear something from the radio, but I was just focused on my tempo. He was uh, certainly focusing on uh, on his tempo, and then what a win for Damiano uh, Caruso. Okay, the man in red, 
Manda was in red. We said, oh, we're not too sure. Does he want to keep the jersey? Yesterday, you know, as uh, is a Peter Sagan that says, sometimes you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Well, Roglic yesterday was definitely the hammer. He was he was sort of the sledgehammer, yeah. Matty, uh, <laughs> Roglic, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, he was. I just want to go back briefly to one of the comments from Damien and Caruso about Ineos and the fact that they were chasing. So I'm not sure whether this is on the agenda or not, Christoph, but it's on the agenda yeah. now. Because we need yeah, to okay, discuss it. But he actually right. was on the agenda now. So you oh, okay. <laughs> right, sorry. <laughs> Throwing some curveballs. So, I mean, I'm interested. In hindsight's a wonderful thing, right? Ineos were trying to put Jumbo Visma under pressure to isolate Primoz Roglic. So we're on the Roglic topic. So I'm kind of sticking to the agenda, Christoph. They were trying to put Roglic under pressure. Caruso was putting Roglic under pressure. With Caruso out in front... He was second at the Giro d'Italia this year. If you let him come back in a calculation, all of a sudden, Jumbo Visma and Roglic are under pressure and they have to do the chasing. Instead, Ineos did that job for them. And then Ineos wore themselves out. And Bernal didn't have the legs anyway. And Yates wasn't quite up to the task. Take the risk of letting Jumbo Visma be the ones to do the chasing because Caruso was the one putting them under pressure. They couldn't let him get back into contention for the red jersey. They're just using the same old playbook that they've used for 10 years. They need to find a different yeah. strategy. Yeah, good call. And probably the only thing, and I don't know whether you agree with this, Matty, I absolutely agree. I only would have liked to have seen Ineos basically hit Yumbo on that last climb. Do nothing yep. before that. Let the gap be eight minutes and then hit him hard on the last climb. But by then, it, like you say, it was too late. Yeah, exactly. So that puts that will have gotten... Roglic isolated by the bottom of the climb, which was part of their strategy because they would have used Sam Uman and Kun Bauman earlier. Robert Hessink was already gone. And then perhaps Kruzweig would have had to have done some chasing before they even got to the climb and then go at the bottom of the climb, have Carapaz to be able to use him. Instead, Ineos wore themselves out, nobody else. Yeah. yeah. What about uh, this comment from Julie, actually, that says, uh, I think Egan Bernal is suffering from post-COVID or long COVID. Uh, what do we know from that? What What do you hear, uh, Kino, on this? Oh, we don't know anything, but we agree with Julia because we asked this question ourselves yesterday, Maka. It was something that we discussed in the commentary. We don't know. And only and he might not even know either. And it's going to take you know, a fair long-term study from the medical staff to work that out. What will have yeah. done, it was it will have interrupted his recovery. So even though it was straight after the Giro, Maka, surely that's got an impact on his recovery from the Giro, which then slows down the time that he can start training again and getting ready for the Vuelta. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You you have a flu, you get bronchitis after uh, uh, any bike race or any time of the year, of course, doesn't it? It's going to slowly affect you. So... Yeah, that's interesting. Bernal's an interesting one, I think, yeah. for the future as well. Just like... Mm. You know, next year beyond, we talked about him potentially winning three, five Tour de France's when he won his first yeah. tour. You know, now you've got Pogacar on the scene. Roglic has still got unfinished business at the tour. Yeah, Bernal's got his work cut out. Okay. Everybody else I've got a question for you then. David McKenzie, you yeah. are the manager of a new world tour team and you've got two riders that you can pick from to be your team leader to go to the Tour de France next year. Yep. One of them is Egan Bernal, and the other one is Jonas Vinegar, who was second at this year's Tour de France. Who do you pick? Oh, geez, that's a good question. No, I'm going to pick Bernal. 
I'm not. I would as well. I'm going to pick Bernal. I'm not. Yeah, no. You're not. You're going <laughs> no. Vinegard. Yep. All right. Well, I'll see you on the start line, pal. <laughs> I look forward to it. <laughs> Let's go to All Copenhagen. Right, from uh, the leader of this race, the red jersey, it's Primoz Roglic. You have a well-deserved rest day tomorrow, but now you have to admit you are the best. Uh, yeah, we we deserve it. Huh? <laughs> it was a hard day. Uh, again, uh, super hot. Uh, some big climbs. So, uh, yeah, survive it and uh, looking forward for tomorrow. You have had uh, your teammates around you when you needed them. Uh, would you also say uh, some thank you to uh, Ineos team? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, our guys did uh, did a great job. Uh, you know, so put uh, put a hard pace on uh, on the long climb. Uh, yeah, it was uh, was a hard. Uh, and uh, yeah, then uh, here at the end, it uh, was quite fast, a big explosion. Huh? And uh, yeah, uh, luckily uh, I had a uh, uh, yeah okay legs, so uh, I could finish it. There was still uh, Enric Mas with you. But the big thing today is it to have beaten Ineos. Uh, yeah, it uh, yeah, Enric was uh, super strong uh, uh, today. So uh, yeah, uh, then we ride uh, together, and uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a beginning. Okay, now we did it till the rest day, and uh, we we just need to to stay in one piece, healthy uh, uh, with the whole team, and. Uh, then looking for, for the next stages. Huh? Okay, have a nice rest day. See you soon. Thank you. Thank you. See you. Well, he looks fresh. He looks quite fresh. He was yeah? diplomatic. <laughs> he was diplomatic. Well, a bit. Jean Francois so? Kinay <laughs> asked him, uh, what he, oh, big, uh, thank you. Do you want to thank Ineos? He, he sort of talked around it, didn't he, Matty? <laughs> yeah, he did. But, you know, he was rightly so. He was really proud of his own team because, you know, they weren't concerned. Once Ineos had you know, reduce the margin for Caruso down to 120. And eventually they stopped chasing because they cracked themselves. Jumbo Visma went to the front and they let it drift back out again because all of a sudden they had another six minutes to be able to play with. So then yeah, they yeah. used the, their resources. They rode a super smart race, really smart. Yeah. Let's talk about Enric Masto uh, because I think for me, he's, he's a little bit of the surprise of that beginning of the Vuelta, uh, what would you what would you rate his performance so far? Because is if we look at the, the ranking, he's and I'm just going to eight seconds, I think. Yeah, I'm going to bring he? the ranking here. He's 28 seconds. He's yep. second on on the the ladder at the minute. Uh, 28 seconds off uh, Primoz Roglic. Uh, he's going well. He no, he's been awesome. I've, I've I think Maddie, you and I had a conversation. Gee, even pre Vuelta, I think we talked about Mars and. He's already been around a few years. Is he going to live up to the expectations? He was a big hype years ago when Alberto Contador yep. was retiring. So far, I'm with Christoph. I'm impressed. The question mark I have, not about his ability, well, his ability, but he rode the Tour de France. So mm. is it going to catch up with him? Or home turf, he's reinvigorated. What do you think? Yeah, he hasn't done the travel between the tour. He didn't go to the Olympics, so he's got that on his side. That is a question mark, doing two grand tours. We always talk about it, the Tour de France, don't well, we? Close if you've done the tour. Yeah, and we always talk about it, the tour. If you've done the Giro, what are your chances really at the tour? For Enric Mus, we spoke about it in the first week, Macker, in reference to the fact that he does everything right. So there's not that opportunity for, oh, if you fix this, you're going to make a 5% improvement. 
there's not that 5% improvement for Enric Maas because he is so disciplined. He has been for such a long time. He's just making little incremental improvements. And that's praise for Enric Maas. That's a massive pat on the back. What we do know about him is that his mentor and his hero is Alberto Contador. He came through the Contador Foundation when he was in the juniors in the under-23 category. And that's the guy he wants to emulate. So Enric Mus is not going to ride to the finish aiming for second place. He's going to ride to the finish aiming to win. To win this race, he needs a big lead on Roglic before going into that final individual time trial. Expect fireworks. Yeah, yeah that's but, true. But, yeah. but, but uh, question mark around, he's missing two team, two teammates, including Valverde. So how that's much the one that hurts. The, yeah, yeah, that's the one that hurts. So how much of this could actually play in this disfavor? Uh, okay, so... Uh, uh, it hurts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the advantage that he's got, though, ahead, is... Yeah, sorry. Um, Carlos Verona is riding a lot better than I would have expected. So he's going to be a lot more useful than what we would have anticipated before the race started. Johan Jacobs, who crashed out yesterday, he was there for the first week. His main role is done anyway. Mm. He was there for those crosswind stages. So I don't think he is a big loss. Valverde hurts tactically and physically on the road. What I've been impressed with with Movistar is they made a mistake, a little mistake on stage three, Lopez and Mas, but they've worked that out. Those two look to be working really well together. What I'd like to see now from Carlos Verona is we saw yesterday when he got dropped from that lead group, he fought on all the way to the finish to put in a good ride himself. Next time he gets dropped, I want to see him lose 10, 15 minutes. I don't want to see him fired on and just lose five minutes. So Carlos Verona is going to have a pretty important role to play. The advantage that Lopez and Mas have got is that they're both really close. Whereas we, the, the odds of Jumbo Visma playing Sepp Kuss as a genuine card to try and win this race overall, they're all in for Roglic. He's won it for the past two yeah. years. Whereas Movistar, yeah. you know, they've got two proper cards to play. And in 2018, Mas was second overall. Lopez was third overall. And they can really work together. I've been super impressed with Movistar so far. Mm. Yeah, Let's have a look at the, the ranking again. So Primoz Roglic is in the lead. Enric Mas is second, as you just mentioned. And uh, Miguel Engel Lopez is third. And our very own Jack Haig is fourth as well. That is a great performance. We'll talk about Jack Haig uh, in a second. Any other surprises here? Adam Yates, is he, uh, you know, he's just behind Nigel Bernal. Uh, you know, what, what role Yates he can play uh, with support look, he, of Bernal or not? Look, they. Yates was. I, I loved his enthusiasm on the final climb. Yep. Um, but in the end, he, he sort of attacked a couple of times and it hurt him massively. Mm. And Roglic was able to watch him go at 100 metres and was confident. So too was Enrique Mas. Um, so the third week can change a lot. Yep. And look, Roglic, Roglic could suddenly. Be in trouble in the third week. We don't know. You know, it's a uh, no one's got the crystal ball. But at the historically, right at the moment, he's faded a little in the third week. Roglic, yeah, so he has a little bit. He, ha yeah, yeah, he has. You're right. And so the jury's out for me. And but Ineos, no matter what, goes back to what we're saying. Ineos have to just try something different. Yeah, like even if Bernal comes good and Yates steps up and Roglic fades. Stop doing this on the front, 60 kilometres to go, riding a tempo, the same tempo that Jumbo Visma are doing. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And tactically, yesterday, Christoph, sorry to interrupt, but uh, yesterday, tactically, it hurt them, Carapaz losing so much time. You know, yeah. if they had have had Carapaz still within even three minutes, 
that makes him really dangerous, like Caruso could have been yesterday for Bahrain victorious. Mm. So that will hurt mm. them. I think their best chance is Adam Yates. I think Adam Yates looks better than Egan Bernal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's look at the, the jerseys uh, we have so far. So, of course, we saw Primoz Roglic is in red. Uh, Jakobsen is still in green. Caruso is in the polka dots. And Bernal is in the young uh, rider's jersey. For about five minutes, Bardet was in the polka dots. I don't know if you noticed this. Uh, and he, and he he was inter happen. He's interested <laughs> in it. It's not done. No, but, I know, but I know, but I, during the stage, I was doing the math, going da 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 da. Okay, Barden needs to be second. Anything else is rubbish. <laughs> so that was done. You know, he was never going to be on the he'll, he'll keep fighting. Uh, but I've been impressed with Barden, just the fact that he hit the deck hard. We thought he was going to retire there and then, what, four days ago, and he looked in a world of hurt. Yeah. Him, him and Mikel Nieves, actually. I'm impressed with both of them. Gutsy rides. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, let's look ahead. And oh, actually, let's look back. Let's not look ahead. Let's look back. What would be your highlight of the the last week? I think we all agree oh. it can only be Michael Stora. I was going to say, yeah. are you kidding me? There's multiple. <laughs> Come on. Was, was there a question there? Yeah, yeah, no, I don't know. no. Actually, it wasn't. Uh, the performance, uh, Matty. Wh when you look at the performance of Michael Storer, it's it's bigger than anything else for this Vuelta. We think we're very biased, but of course we are. Uh, in the first nine days, it was a huge performance. By the end of the race, Jack Haig will be a bigger story, I think, than Michael Storer. That Michael Storer's three years younger than Jack Haig. He's just 24, and this was such a brave move. And DSM, they had five guys in the breakaway, and he was the one that took all the pressure. And we heard from his team manager, Matt Winston, yesterday or the day before, and he spoke about it. It's been a four-year project with Michael Storer. They're disappointed to see him leave, but they're wishing him all the best. So he's leaving on good terms. That speaks volumes to the character of Michael Storer, and they believe as he goes to another team, that he can win big one-week races. And I believe that as well. And Chris Hamilton, the Hurricane, he spoke about Michael Storr is just trying to... He's just working out now how good he is and how to put that all together. Mm. And he's going to win a lot more. Yeah, it's spot on. And I love that comment from uh, Chris Hamilton too. Just, uh, yeah. you know, when we, we've, we've had a... And the fans, Aussie fans who don't know much about Michael Storr, have just had a little insight into... To the character of Michael Storer. You know, he's a really humble, quiet sort of guy. Get him on the bike, yeah. he's ruthless. And yeah. he's only he's only going to get <laughs> even more ruthless as he understands, as Chris Hamilton said, how good he is. Yeah, and then what I like about this is uh, how he opens up possibilities for the other Aussies at, mm. uh, at this Vuelta. Uh, let's listen to uh, Lucas Hamilton uh, and then we just debate this uh, and the chances of the Aussies going forward. Lucas, we've had a one Australian stage win already. What did you think of that one? What's that, sorry? What did you think of the win by Michael Storer? Yeah, it was uh, pretty nice to see. I've grown up racing with Michael since uh, our junior days back in, back in Australia. So to see, I know how good he is as a rider, how strong he is, and uh, he showed it, and uh, it was awesome to see. Did he pave the way for you? Did he pave the way for, for you? Ah, we've, like we've always raced together. We did under 23s all together. We're super competitive. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we've always pushed each other along. There's also Jai, Jai Hindley, 
we've all, we've all ridden together since since under 13 pretty much. So it's uh, yeah, it's pretty special to see on the biggest stage. That I, uh, I hope to try and at some point in this race do the same as he did. I think uh, I feel like I'm riding into the race a little bit and uh, day by day. And uh, I think uh, it'd be nice to try and pull off a result. Is it uh, all four stages? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's all four stages now. I think uh, GC's out of the question for sure. But uh, yeah, I think we've got an exciting team here. Four stages, um, and that was our main goal coming in. So there's a lot of stages as soon as coming up. That was uh, Lucas Hamilton. Hey, can we say on these comments that uh, WA is a bit the Slovenia of Australia? Look at it this way. Yeah. No wonder they want to break away from us. They've got they've got the talent pool. It's it's pretty awesome. You've followed all these young guys, Maddie, as I have over the sort of last five, six years and even longer. It's and, and even Lucas Hamilton's an interesting one. You know, he hasn't had a great year. He's sort of probably the last couple of years we've hoped and expected a bit more from him, but I still think we're going to see some great stuff from Lucas Hamilton. But the names he mentioned and himself, I think we've got a pretty good five, six years ahead of us as Aussie commentators and Aussie fans, haven't we? Oh, it's an exceptional generation coming through. And Australians have now won a stage in all three Grand Tours in the one year. The last time that I can recall that happening was 2015 when Michael Matthews won a stage in the Giro. Rowan Dennis won the opening time trial in the Tour and Caleb Bjorn won stage five of the Volta de España. Now, that is a pretty solid set of victories in 2015. And we've seen stage victories for Australians at the Giro, at the Tour, and now at the Volta in 2021. The exciting thing is Ben O'Connor at the Tour, Jai Hindley last year at the Giro, Michael Storer. They're 24, 25, 26 years of age, these guys. So mm. you look at Damiano Caruso at 33, he's just hitting their bet, his best. We've got five plus years and Jack Haig he hasn't shown us his best yet either he's still only 27 he's coming into his prime Lucas Hamilton in this tour though he's starting to look tired I think the season is starting to wear on him and for bike exchange of the Australians to win a stage don't underestimate Nick Schiltz if Nick Schiltz can get himself in a breakaway he can definitely win yeah. yeah, and you know what I like as well. If we start, you put your thinking cap on, uh, and then you go in the years gone by, and we debated this when I was ranting about the Polkadot jersey, and I'm not going to rant about the Polkadot, but I'm saying your comment was, "Oh, we usually go for speed. Yeah. We usually go for sprints." But look at what we have now. We've got riders that are all across. They can win one week back races. They can win three weeks back races. They can win stages, mountain stages, and sprint. Yeah, this is so much more open and oh, wider broader. than the way. Yeah, yeah. The talent, the yeah. talent. The problem on the on the, you, the problem you've got with an Aussie winning the KOM at the tour. Nice, and, no and this is I'm <laughs> the sort problem of, you've got. I'm, I'm <laughs> half joking, half serious. The Aussies that potentially could go for the KOM jersey at say the Tour de France can probably go for a podium spot yeah. as well. So yeah. they focus on that and, and ditch the uh, yeah. polka dots. So Absolutely. Yeah. You're just going to have to wait, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I think we'll party that day when it happens. <laughs> oh, we will. Massive party. Yeah. yeah. The champagne is on me that oh, day. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay, good. Uh, so basically, Jacques Haig, is it the man we need to look, f uh, look at for the next maybe week two, week three? Where can we see Jacques Haig really, you know, unleashing the power and then maybe make, make, a, make a go for the podium? Well, he, keep, he needs to keep riding in exactly the same manner as what he did yesterday. And Macca actually was the one that raised this throughout yesterday's stage. We worry about Jack Haig's preparation for this race because he crashed out of the tour on stage three. As Macca said yesterday in commentary, 
well, he was perfectly prepared for the tour. Sure, he had the broken collarbone. That resulted in a couple of weeks off the bike and interrupted preparation for the Vuelta. But that form and that lead into the tour, that hasn't just disappeared. And the 10 years to get him to that point, that doesn't yeah. disappear overnight either. And now he arrives at the Vuelta psychologically pretty fresh and without much pressure on his shoulders. And the similar performance last year was Hugh Carthy. Hugh Carthy was not meant to ride the Vuelta Espana last year. He was the last guy slotted in to the EF education team and he finished third. Chris Froome was not meant to ride the Vuelta Espana in 2011. He won the race overall. He didn't have a contract for 2012 going into that race. Jack Hay comes into this race with no pressure really on him. From this rest day onwards, though, he'll be riding for the general classification and he can absolutely finish on the podium. I'm convinced of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're spot on, Matty. And, and throw the rule book out the window. Yeah. Like, seriously, about that that whole notion of, oh, they're under prep, they're not ready. And like you say, Matty, 10 years of training. You don't you don't lose that base kilometres. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, there is no stage tonight because some people are resting. Not us, actually. Uh, oh, I'm going people... home to commentate <laughs> last night's stage. Uh, just to, uh, just going home to commentate yeah, Just to redo it. Matty and I are linking up via Zoom and doing it together. <laughs> so if you want to join this Zoom. <laughs> uh, but there is, a, there is a stage, of course, starting tomorrow. Uh, here's the profile of the stage. Very quickly, because we'll uh, debrief that, so we'll, we'll review that stage tomorrow uh, with our special guest. But what can you read from that stage? Oh, well, I'll, I'll bring you in on this, Matty, as well. I just think it's going to be an exciting one because I think the break can go early. Break can survive the day. But that little kink at the end, it's a category two, in fact, isn't it? Yep. It's just going to give fireworks. Whether the break stays away, you'll see fireworks for the someone trying to win the stage. And you might just see a little bit from the GC guys as well. Yeah. And how about, given that profile, why not bike exchange, try and control the race and have Michael Matthews be the one, the only sprinter that survives over that climb and wins the stage? Love it. Where do we sign? Love it. Yeah. Yes, spot on. Look at how well Absolutely. he climbed. On what, was, what stage was it when they went up that short little two-kilometre yeah, climb? Yeah, Cuyeta. The, the stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, bike exchange, that's the stage they can win with Michael Matthews. No other sprinters getting over that hill. The, the only thing I'd say, to, to same outcome, just Michael, get in the break. Who's going to work with Get him? in the break. That way they don't have – because it's a long way to control it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all going to be at play tomorrow night on uh, SBS uh, Viceland and, of course, on, on Demand. And then before that, we have another uh, podcast with a, a bit of a special guest. We're not going to reveal who the guest will be uh, tomorrow. I'm just going to say he is basically one of these men. He's a Trek Segafredo rider. He will be joining us uh, tomorrow in the live podcast. He's one of these four riders. Tune in 5.30pm uh, on Facebook and Twitter tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure this will be very looking entertaining. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking uh, because forward to it. we absolutely like this guy. Right, this is it for the podcast today, guys. Good stuff. Righto, I'm going home to crank the barbecue. Oh, good. Yep. <laughs> Not the pizza oven? Oh, yeah. Both. Yes, both. Yep. Thank you, uh, Kino. Thanks, guys. Thanks again, mate. Thank you, Michael. See you soon. And this was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Remember, you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on, on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, same place, same pl the time tomorrow. Bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor Zwift. Over the winter, all my motivation comes from taking on their athlete workouts. My favorite is Matthew Vanderpool. Fun is going full gas as he helps build your anaerobic capacity. 
These training plans have helped me find my best. There are workouts from Garant Thomas and Anna Vanderbregen, so every aspect of your riding can be tested, ready for summer. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.